Good morning, everybody. I am not Pastor Ross, but I do invite you back to your seats. <laughs> invite you back to your seats. Good morning. Welcome. It's, uh, I'm extremely excited on this new year to be able to, to bring God's word while, uh, as uh, Pastor Adam said, while Ross and Miss Barb are enjoying their, uh, their um, vacation, enjoying uh, their anniversary. So it's a pleasure to be with you guys today. If you don't know, I'm the youth pastor here. I see some of the, the little, yeah, if you guys see young guys, especially like hitting me and punching me, it's a, it's a sign of love for them. So I'm not in trouble. You don't have to call the cops. Um, but anyways, yeah, excited to be here with you guys. It's a new year. And uh, this, with this new year comes new resolutions. Has anyone broken their resolution already? It's the, the second at one day, a few. Yeah, two weeks ago, I told Desiree, my wife, that uh, come New Year, I'm going to start eating healthy. All right? And then she reminded me. She said, you've been saying that since we got married. <laughs> so I was looking on the internet, and the top New Year's resolutions are this. Number one, eat healthier, lose weight, exercise more. Anybody? A few? Most of you guys are healthy, healthier than first service, I guess. Next is saving money, budgeting. Anybody? Few? That's nice. These ones I thought were funny. Uh, finding love. You don't have to raise your hand. Finding love is one. <laughs> Work promotions. Dressing better. I made that. I'm dressing a little better than I usually do, for those of you who know me. Sleep more. Oh, I did shave. I shaved too. I made my daughter cry, but I did. Uh, a recent study shows that only 7% of people who make resolutions actually keep them, and that most of the people within the first couple of weeks fail uh, to keep their resolutions. Um, we fail <laughs> at keeping, at doing what we set out to do. Uh, we're not committed, but motivated uh, enough. We often fail to do what we set out to do. But here's the thing. I'm thankful for somebody, someone who made a resolution to make all things new, and unlike us, he's 100% faithful to carry out what he has resolved to do. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then does, and then does not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Right? These are rhetorical questions. When God decides to do something, he doesn't. And with the resolution to make all things new, he's going to do it. Let's start this new year off by looking into internal things, things that ultimately matter. So I told Pastor Ross I was going to do uh, Revelation 21, 1 through 5, and he just says, oh, man. <laughs> he, says, he says, that passage to me feels like I'm standing on the edge of a thousand-foot cliff, and I'm looking, I'm looking down, just like the fear to, be, to, to preach that. He's like, good luck, kid. <laughs> I said, thanks, Pastor Ross. No, he helped me out, and uh, I was already studying for it a little bit, so I was like, I can't change it now. We're going we're gonna to get into it, and we're going to get into it this morning. Uh, so if you guys would, Revelation 21, 1 through 5, we're going to start right here. It should be up on the screen. 
says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first, first earth had passed away. Really quick, get out of your mind that the new heaven is the place where God dwells, what we're talking about today. It's talking about the sky and space. And we'll get to that in a second, but, but that's what we're talking about here. It's not where God dwells. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also there was no more sea than I, John, saw a holy city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven that God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these down, write these words down for they are true and faithful. Wow, this is a powerful scripture. <laughs> Let's pray. I am going to need it. <laughs> Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the newness of life that you give. We thank you that your, your mercies are new every day. We thank you for this new year, God. And I pray that as we dig into your word this morning, God, that you would soften our hearts, that you would change our hearts, God, and that we would leave here today being different, God, being altogether changed, God, and that we would look uh, to, this, to these, where we're going, to who's there, God, uh, that we would behold you and want to live for you, be motivated to live for you, God. So we pray that you do a work in our life. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. C.S. Lewis, the famous author of the Chronicles of Narnia, said this quote. He says, There's been, There have been times when I think we do not desire heaven as much as we should. But I more often find myself wondering whether in our heart of hearts we have ever truly desired anything else. Ecclesiastes 3 says that God has written eternity into every person's heart, into every man's heart. And I used to think that just meant that like we know we're eternal beings. We know that when we die, it's not just going to be the end. Like there's something in us more. And I think that's true. Um, I, would, I would say that would be more of our minds, but our hearts say that. God has put in, in our hearts desire to eventually be in heaven, eternity, the heavenly things, the eternal things. He's putting those things in our hearts and that ultimately in the heart of, per, of people is a longing for heaven. It's a longing for this paradise that we're going to talk to. It's a longing to be made complete, to be made whole. It's a longing to be together with our Father. It's a longing for things that aren't right to be made right. We have a longing for that. People in general throughout history have had a longing for that. And this morning, we're going to just scratch the, surf the surface of this glorious topic. Our goal, though, is as we get a glimpse, as I prayed, that we would have more of an eternal perspective and that would change the way that we live here and now. It would change the way that we live in 2022, that we'd be more motivated, that would create in us a perseverance and an endurance to live for him. Um, and hopefully just a, a precious joy that comes from, from taking a glimpse into what awaits for us and who awaits for us. Uh, John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, right? The famous allegory of the Christian life. A pilgrim uh, asks his Christian friend as they're walking to the celestial city, which is heaven in the book. He says to him, he says, when do you find yourself in the most wholesome and the most content and the most alive spiritual state? To which this, the believer answers, and he says, when I think of the place that I'm going. Right, so let us set our minds on the things above this morning, and let, let us be thinking about that place that we're going, everyone who is in Christ, that we will be going. 
Ooh, so this morning, in keeping with all things new in this new year, we're going to look at three new things, right? So verses one and two, we're going to be looking at um, our new destination, the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Number two, we're going to be looking at this new declaration. There's a voice that declares something that we're going to ultimately dwell with God, that God is going to dwell with men and we're going to be his people. And three, we're going to look at a new consolation, this great comfort that God brings to those that are with him. So before we take a look at this new destination, just a quick timeline of where we're at, Revelation 21, how did we get here with the Apostle John who has had all these visions uh, from where we are now. Next thing on the prophetic prophetic calendar, the prophetic timeline of, of God is the rapture. This is where God comes and takes his people, believers, out of harm's way because the next thing that's coming is the wrath of God is going to be poured out on a Christ-rejecting and God-hating world that's going to get really ugly. And that's going to take place for seven years. All right, And then after that, we will be with God. Um, he's going to come back down, second coming, put uh, the devil pretty much on a thousand-year timeout. He's going to be in probation for a thousand years. And then there's going to be a new kingdom, the millennial kingdom, which is going to be a thousand-year rule and reign with Christ on the throne on this earth that's renewed a little bit but not completely new as we're going to see in the eternal state. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. There's going to be peace. It says the person who dies, which will only be the wicked during this time, they'll die at 100 and they'll be considered infants. And so we get there after that, uh, Jesus, God, is going to let uh, Satan out. He says he's going to deceive the nations. There'll be people in the millennial kingdom that even though they're at, Jesus is reigning, they'll still be in rebellion to God. They won't be able to show that until that thousand years is up. And there'll be a rebellion, and then there'll be a judgment where everyone throughout history, the dead that are wicked that haven't been raptured and aren't during the millennial kingdom will be raised to judgment. There'll be a judgment, and then everything wicked, everything evil, everyone who's reject, rejected the free gift of, of God's grace, Satan, the Antichrist, all of them are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And out of that ash and out of the smoke of this horrible scene, uh, which is still righteous, God is going to come. We, we, we land here in this glorious vision that God gives John here of the eternal state. And so, Let's jump into the new destination. This is where we land right here. Verse one and two says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. We're gonna pause there. Uh, first thing that happens, the, the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Why do those have to pass away? Why, do the, why, why must those be destroyed? And here's the answer. Because even creation is tainted by sin. Genesis chapter 3, not only has sin corrupted and every evil thing that we know here in human hearts and affected the, the human person, it's also affected all creation. Genesis 3 says that God cursed the ground because of Adam's sin. Romans 8, 18 through 21 is going to be up on the screen. And it says this, verse 18 says, consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. That's a good reminder, but this is what we're getting into here. Verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subject to frustration, not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be freed, will be liberated from bondage and decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. All right, so this new heaven and new earth is going to be no more natural disasters, no more tornadoes, no more fires, 
No more tsunamis, hurricanes. No more winter blizzards that cause you to take 20 hours to get back from Tahoe, right? It's going to be different. But, but yeah, creation is in bondage. Creation is cursed, essentially. The second law of thermodynamics backs this up. Science backs this up. That everything is unwinding. Like a clock, everything is winding. It's like a clock that's wound up. Everything is winding down. Everything's degenerating. You know, the world, our bodies... That's just, that's just how it is. Um, science has proven this. Um, and this makes it really interesting, knowing that one day the universe as we know it is going to be destroyed. Uh, this is really interesting because this is what the Christian worldview teaches that's different from a lot of other worldviews, puts a lot of emphasis on history because everything that's happened since history, since the creation of the world, you think of all major events that's gone on in this world, everything is heading to a point to this climactic event where it's all going to be done away with. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, look at this. Isaiah predicts it. Isaiah 34, four, 700 years before Christ walked the earth. He says, all the stars in the sky will be dissolved and the heavens will be rolled up like a scroll. Isaiah 51, 6 says, heavens sell, sh- the heavens vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. The psalmist in Psalm 102, 25 and 26 predicts, you made the heavens and the earth They are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be discarded. Jesus said it, Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but but my words will never pass away. And Peter, the last, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. uh, Right right after Peter talks about there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, it's going to be glorious, only goodness is going to dwell there. Peter says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire. He says that the earth and everything in it will lay bare. He says that the day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Guys, this isn't just a fluke once by random thought. This is like a solidified doctrine. The world is going to pass away. That's the point here, guys. And so that's the point. And the point from that is this, you guys. This world is dying. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Does your heart, does your soul, does your, do you love that which is ultimately going to pass away, but it's going to be destroyed? Don't link yourself, don't hitch yourself, your soul, your possessions, everlasting soul, to that which is ultimately going to be destroyed. It just doesn't make sense, right? There's an eternity that we can lay our treasures. There's an eternity that we can lay our resources, our hopes, our dreams, our lives, right? And that's what we should be doing. First John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, this is, of the, this is what he's talking about when he talks about in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but comes from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we have to ask ourselves, what is his will, right? His will is that we know him. His will is that we believe in him, that we trust in him, right? That we take our minds off of ourselves and that we put them on God so we can love and think for other people and love and glorify God. Hmm. Brothers and sisters, let's live not for this world and its desires. Let's live for God's will. Let's live for his will today. Let's live for his will tomorrow for 2022 and and beyond. That's a great calling. That's a good living to live for him.
And next, we're going to go into the second part of this verse. The old is destroyed. Now we see the new. Uh, the new heavens and the new earth is a, a fulfilled pr- prophecy here of Isaiah 65, verse 17. It says, For behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. For the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And you see here, you guys, this word create is the Hebrew word, which is bara. And this means to create out of absolutely nothing. Okay, so it's not going to be a renovated earth. It's not going to be a renewed earth. It's going to be a brand new one. It's not putting makeup on the old, ugly one. It's going to be brand new. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be crisp. And next, I alluded to this before, you guys, but it says here, the new heavens. I was thinking that when I first read it until I was able to study. It's like, well, I can understand why there needs to be a new earth, but why a new heaven? You know, isn't that where God resides? But here's the thing, you guys. There's three levels of heaven that the Bible talk about. The first level is where the birds fly, Genesis 1. God put the birds in the heaven. The second level is outer space, which is where he hung the stars and the moon, uh, the sun. And the third level, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was caught up to the third level of heaven. Right? That's the place that God dwells. That's the place um, uh, that God dwells in. But that's not talking about what's being destroyed. We're talking about the first two heavens is what's going to be destroyed here, and God will make them altogether new. Next up, we're moving on to the very end of verse 1. It has this weird thing. It says, there will be no more sea. Uh, this may be literal, but I think more it alludes to what the sea represents. You see, the sea uh, represents a division of countries, continents, right? It separates them. So it, it, it emphasizes separation. There will not be that in the new state of things, the eternal state. The sea also in biblical terms uh, represents chaos, right? The sea was kind of uncharted territory. It was a little bit dangerous. So it, it, it meant chaos, confusion, danger, even evil. Revelation chapter 13, that's where the beast comes out from. So it represents all of these things and there's going to be none of that in the new heaven and the new earth. So I think there'll be beaches in heaven. Uh, there'll be surfing, so don't worry, beach bums. Surf bums, there'll be some surfing. And if I am wrong, there is a river, I think, in Revelation 22 that goes through. So you can catch some waves, catch some waves on that. But regardless, you guys, the point is it's going to be beautiful. I mean, I, I remember growing up, and I was like, I don't know if I want to go to heaven because I don't know if the Bible says anything about football being there. You know, <laughs> but it's like, no, that's not, that's not the case, right? It's, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be real life, real living with people in a crisp and amazing way. And it's going to be, it's going to be glorious. You guys, verse two, you guys says this, then I, John, he's about to talk about this new destination, the, the holy city that's going to come down. And he starts us off by saying, I, John, um, and seeing this essentially. And it's interesting because John hasn't said this since the first chapter. And since the first chapter until where we're at now has been thousands of years of amazing events happening. And it's not until this point that he says, I, John, am about to witness this. And what he's telling us is what he's about to witness is so glorious and so amazing that it's like, I'm telling you, I was there. I saw this. I witnessed it. Um, it's going to be amazing. And so we're going to see this new city that comes down from heaven, and we're going to talk about this new city a little bit, but this is, what, this is something to talk about. This new city is going to be the capital of heaven, the new Jerusalem. It's going to be where we'll reside. It's going to be where, we get, where, where we're going to live, dwell. It's where our homes will be. The earth is open for roaming, for adventure, different things, but we'll live here in the new city. A couple of things that I want you guys to know about this is that uh, 
It says here that the city is going to be a holy city. Now, uh, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a country boy. I guess I grew up in the, in the country, but I think of city, I think of dirty, I think of corrupt, I think of crime, I think of sin city. I coached wrestling uh, for a while, and I took a group of young high school boys to Las Vegas for a wrestling tournament. And I had to sit the boys down and tell them, guys, sometimes you just got to close your eyes in the city because it's better for your soul. Um, it's, it's not going to be anything like that. There'll be nothing that, that's harmful to eyes. It says, 2 Peter chapter 3, the city is different altogether. It says where only goodness dwells all the time. Next, you guys, we're going to see here about the city, that it comes down from God. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above in this life and apparently in the next as well. This utopia can't be earned. Every city, every civilization in history has either searched for it or tried to make this, right? There's going to be no human ingenuity, no technological advances, no amount of money, no man-made religion, no mind-altering drugs, no amount of Beatles songs is ever going to make this utopia possible. It has to be a gift from God, and that's why we see it coming down from God coming from God, right? There was a, a bumper sticker. I think it was from, new, it's very new age, very humanist. It says that the way out is within. Essentially saying like good things come from like heaven, you can achieve heaven from within. And that is absolutely 100% a lie. Like looking inside your own heart, I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's kind of, it can be kind of scary in there sometimes, you guys. Jesus, Jesus' own words, Matthew 15, 19, he says that every single evil, evil thing has come from the human heart. Every murderous thing, every adulterous, every sexual perversion, every lying, all of these things come from the human heart. The human heart is deceitfully wicked. This shows throughout history, that shows if you're honest with your own life, with your own heart, but anybody who's tried to create this utopia that's had power in history from this heart that the Bible says has been mass genocide. Look at Stalin, you look at Hitler, you look at Pol Pot, right? All of these guys try to create this utopia and killed thousands, millions, millions and millions of people, right? It has to be a gift from God. It has to come down from heaven, just like Jesus came to bring heaven, to bring salvation to us. Next, this, um, this city is beautiful, beautifully adorned like a bride. And uh, I remember I got married right here and I remember looking uh, Desiree, my wife, who's here today, she came, came through these doors right here, and I just remember just dazzling, glowing, beautiful, breathtaking, right? The most important, the most amazing um, event in uh, someone's life, one of the most, right? That's what he's describing the city's going to be like, breathtaking, dazzling, absolutely 100% stunning and beautiful, yeah, like I said, I remember her coming down, and I remember thinking, I got to tell Pastor Ross, we better speed this thing up before she changes her, changes her mind, <laughs> before she realizes what she's doing. It's too good to be true. But uh, no, that's the, that's the point, you guys. The point is that, isn't, is that there's not a more wonderful, more beautiful moment in a bride's life than when she's dressed to present herself to the one that she loves. And so the beauties of this earth will not compare. I want you guys to just imagine the most beautiful things that you've ever seen on earth. Maybe it was a sunset. Maybe it was 
you know, at the sea, the beach, tropical paradise, I don't know, whatever it is. I, I looked up a couple of pictures of, of, pictures of Earth and, and space. This is a real picture of the stars of the universe, waterfall, some of the most beautiful things on Earth, the Grand Canyon here. It's a garden in Brazil. Beautiful sunset. The majestic mountains, breathtaking. The sea, you guys, as I saw these things and I was thinking about this, it reminded me of God's grace, that he would allow sinners, that he would allow people like us to look and behold such like beautiful and amazing, breathtaking sights. But then it got me thinking that this is going to be nothing compared to what God has in store for those who love him. Think about that a universe that sin hasn't corrupted, that sin hasn't touched, beheld by eyes that aren't corrupted by sin and decay and degeneration. It's going to be absolutely beautiful, absolutely amazing. And I want to challenge you guys with something to make you think about and long for what's coming is the next time you guys see that beautiful sunset or see something in creation that that stirs your affections uh, about just how amazing creation is or how amazing whatever it is that you experience. I want the Holy Spirit to bring to the front of your guys' minds that this is beautiful. Acknowledge that, but then say, this, this is going to be absolutely nothing compared to what God has in store for those who love him, for, for what God has prepared. And speaking of prepared, that's the last thing about the city that I want us to look at. The city is prepared. Uh, how long has the city been prepared? Check this out. This is pretty cool. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It says this, in my Father's house, which I wrote here, says makes the Ritz-Carlton look like the slums. He says, there are many rooms. And if that were not so, I would have told you that I'm, if that weren't so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. That same word, prepare. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that where I am, you will also be. Here's the thing, you guys. The same person who is saying this, Jesus, is the same one that the Bible talks about in Genesis. The Bible talks about in John, 1 John, Hebrews, Colossians chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, that he created the universe. Six days, he created that. He could have created it in one, but he, he created it in six days. He's been preparing the place that we're going to be for 2,000 years now. Imagine that. This is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, he said, I was caught up to the third heavens, right? Um, and then he says, I was caught up to paradise. And he says, the things that I heard and the things that I saw, he said, it would be a crime for it to even come out of my mouth to try to explain it to you because what he saw was absolutely amazing. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible too that has to do with this preparedness. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen nor ear has heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. This passage is the fulfillment of what God has prepared, is the fulfillment of what he's prepared out of love, is the fulfillment of what Christ has set off to do. Um, in making a home for us that we could be with him. What an amazing destination. What an amazing home that God himself is preparing for us. My question for you is, do you have your tickets? Get them now. Heaven is not full. Time is just running out. The tickets are paid for, paid in full. 
by Jesus himself what's keeping you from receiving that ticket. It's, only, it's paid for, it's free in a sense. The Bible says it's going to cost us our life, but the Bible also clarifies that and says that he who, loses himself, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So all you're really giving up is what you were never really created for in the first place. What's holding you back? Don't let anything hold you back from being on that flight to this new destination. This new destination will be out of this world, quite literally. It will be outside of our minds, amazing, yet so clear and so real. Next, if you can believe there is a new declaration that's going to act absolutely trump what we just talked about. So let's look at what this new declaration, let's see what this voice says as we get into verse 3. Verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven that declares this, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. Listen to this, you guys. Far better than what we'll, our eyes will behold and what we'll experience and the things that we'll have in heaven is the who that waits for us there. God himself is, is the reward. God himself is going to be the heaven of heavens. Heaven would not be heaven without God there. You guys, this is going to be the greatest reward who made our final destination. You guys, and here's the thing, you guys, that's all ultimately always been in God's heart, that we dwell with him, that we're with him. It's always been a heart, in his heart, it's always been his desire. Think about it all throughout the ages. God created Adam and Eve. He was with them in the garden. He was dwelling with them. But then what happened? Sin entered, and it broke. It broke that relationship. It broke the ability to dwell with God. The Bible says that no sin can dwell with God because he's holy and he's just and he's righteous. But even so, his heart all throughout the ages is to be with his people. And we see that all throughout the scriptures. We see that, you know, the, the Israelites are in the wilderness, right? And they, God tells them to set up a tabernacle so he could dwell with them in that regard. They enter the promised land. There's a temple. And then 2,000 years ago, Jesus came God came in flesh, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And it says that he made his home among us, that he dwelt with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He desired to come and to live with us, to restore that which was separated, right? He paid that on the cross. He died willingly, rose from the dead, right? And then when he left, what did he do? Pentecost, he sent his spirit to indwell believers, so all throughout the ages, God has want to dwell with man. But here we see the fruition of that, that we're actually going to be with him. There's going to be no veil. There's going to be no mask in the flesh. There's going to be no temple, no tabernacle, but we're going to be with him. We're going to see him face to face. We'll see him as he is. Think about that. Wrap your mind around that. It's going to be so beautiful, you guys. It's going to be so amazing. Man, out of all that could be declared at, the, at this point, you guys, from heaven, this is like the culmination of everything. Out of everything that could have been declared from, from what God was thinking, everything, he says, I want to dwell with them. He, he wants us to know this so much that he, look at the way that he says it. Repetition, 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 you guys. I'm just going to point this out, you guys. Repetition, he, repetition is used to get in our minds, right? Look at this. To the tabernacle of God was with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God will be with them. He will be their God. 
He's saying the same thing in just different ways, trying to get us to understand, to wrap our minds, because we as humans have a hard time understanding that God wants to dwell with us, that he wants to be with us. I asked you guys this morning, is that where your mind and your heart is with God? Do you have the perspective that ultimately God wants to dwell with you, that God wants to be with you, that God wants to be with me, he wants to be with you? History has shown that. That would change the way that you guys, that we live, right? That would change the way that we planned our day, that we interact with God and the way that we interact with people. The God who created the universe wants to be with me. That's so amazing, you guys. Jesus said this in this prayer, John 17, 24. He says, Father, I desire, my heart's desire is that whom you have given me, that they will be with me where I am. Listen, you guys, the length that Jesus went through, that God went through to make this possible is absolutely mind-blowing. From Christmas to Easter, right? He came, we just celebrate this. He came as a baby in a manger. He came into this dark and gross and disgusting world to be beaten, to be tortured, to be mocked, to be misrepresented, right? To be defamed, to ultimately make his way to be put to death on a cross, as Pastor Ross likes to say, that he created, right? To put to death on a cross that he created. All of the punishment, all of the sin, the anger, and the wrath of God was poured out on him because he loves us. And only through that will he make a way. So never think that God, <laughs> never tell yourself that God doesn't love you. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. He loves you. He loves you. And he showed that. He's proven that. He's shown all throughout history that he wants to dwell with us. And he, he, he didn't even only talk the talk, but he walked the walk by sending his son. Here's the here's a, a last part that's, that's pretty cool. It says that they will be my people. Uh, Every once in a while, I'll do announcements here in the morning. Morning, uh, Pastor uh, Adam is on injured reserve. He'll they'll throw JV in, and I'll come and uh, do the announcement. And uh, it's funny, though, because every time I do it, I find myself when I announce an event, because I'm the youth pastor, an event for the youth group, I always say, my peoples, my people, these are my people. And uh, it's because I have an affection for them. I have a, a love for them, uh, a connection, a bond with them. You know? And I think that's what God is saying to us here, my people. But it actually is my peoples. He's saying my peoples here. Uh, all other Old and New Testament scriptures that use this word laos is used singular, but, but uh, it's used here in the plural, peoples. And here's the point of that. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation is going to come together, Revelation 7, and is going to be together worshiping God. There's going to be no racism. There's going to be no uh, propagated racism that's lies just to fuel division. Everything is going to be united. There's going to be one people, a Jesus people of different people, groups that is going to be together as one. Same father, bought by the same blood of Jesus, forever worshiping in harmony. With real glorified bodies. They're going to be real people. <laughs> glorified bodies Amen. is going to be amazing. Jonathan Edwards says, the heavens of heavens, he says this quote, that Jesus is the heaven of heavens. And he says, the enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, or children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows, but God is the substance. These are, the, these are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the ocean. This new year, we have looked at the new destination. We've basked in the realities of the new declaration that we're going to be with God. He's going to be our God. We're going to be his people, and we're going to dwell with them. 
And now we're going to look at the new consolation, this great comfort that God gives in verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5 says this, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these, for, the words, for these words are true and faithful. Here's the thing, you guys. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be a welcome committee. It's not going to be St. Peter at the gate. It's going to be God himself that welcomes us. It's going to be the gate himself, the one that we had to pass through to get, the one that made a way. He's going to be the one that waits for us there. And the focus is not going to be on regrets, past sins, not walking this life maybe how we ought. The focus is on the one who gives comfort. And I think that, a little bit of speculating, but I think that I know in my own life, and I think probably in your guys' life too, there's been things that's happened where you're like, maybe, you know, why did, why did this happen? I don't understand this. And even though you press on in faith, trust, trusting God, you, you don't get it. You don't get it. I think at this time is going to be a beautiful time where God's going to bring absolute clarity and absolute comfort as he says he brings, and he's going to wipe those tears away. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> Here we see that there's no more death. The source of death is sin. The king of sin is the devil. It's defeated and dealt with death, which is the source of sorrow. And man's greatest enemy in Revelation chapter 20 says that it's thrown in hell. Death is cast into the lake of fire. No more obituaries, no more memorial services, no more funerals, no more, no more getting that phone call, no more being that phone call. We've experienced loss. A lot of us have experienced loss of people that we loved even within the last couple of years. Never again. Never again will that happen. It says there'll be no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. It's so crazy for us to even think about this because our life is so inundated and so, so full of this. It's hard for us to un understand what it would be like. But no mourning, no crying, no sin. Job 5, 7 says, man is born into trouble just as sparks fly upward. Was ultimately our own fault. A guy named Seuss, not Dr. Seuss, but I think a different one, <laughs> says, man comes into the world with a cry and goes out with a groan and all between is more or less intoned with helpless wailings, but the hallelujahs of the renewed world will drown out the voice of woe forever. Listen, everyone here has known mourning. Everyone here has known, has known crying. We've been a people that have known pain. You know, maybe not like some of the worlds, but that pain and the mourning and that crying, those things are true and those things are real. We've experienced this. Within the last couple of years, we've experienced um, some tough things, you guys. Um, it's going to be no more. No more tears of anguish, no more tears of sorrow, no tears of hurt or pain, no tears of regret or remorse, no tears of poverty or frustration. Our tear ducts will be all dried up. No possibility or will there be any reason. And if there was any tears, I think the only ones possible would be tears of joy tears of or tears of laughter. And as we see here, you guys, it seems like it's easier for John 
to, to say what's not going to be there rather than to try to describe the glories of what is going to be there. So he, he, makes, he, makes a, he makes a list, a short list of things that won't be there, which is absolutely amazing. I got to think about that, and I made a list uh, within the last couple of weeks of things that will not be in heaven. You guys, I'm just going to rattle some of these off, and we're gonna, we're, then we're going to conclude here. Here's the thing, you guys. There's going to be no more battle with our own sin. The Romans chapter 7, right? Paul says, I do what I ought not to do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do do, and the things I do do, I don't want to do, right? Wretched man that I am, there's going to be no struggle with that. There's going to be no temptation. There's going to be no dark thoughts. There's not going to be any struggling with faith. Oh, does God love me? Or, or what should I do here? Or anything like that. There's going to be no need for hope because everything's going to be realized. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love because love is going to be the only thing that endures throughout eternity. We won't need faith because it'll be there. We won't need hope because it's already what we hope for is there. There'll be no depression, no deception, no doubt. We will have no hopelessness. There'll be no addiction, no lust. There will be no homelessness, no abortion clinics or child trafficking or any human trafficking or even just traffic in general. There'll be none of that. There'll be no Alzheimer's. Imagine a world like this, you guys. No Alzheimer's, no dementia, no Parkinson's or cancer. There'll be no hospitals, for the great physician has healed all our diseases. No worry, no pain, no fear, no gut-riching anguish or confusion of why things are not right. No loneliness, no laziness, no lethargia, no miscommunication, no misinformation, no lies. Apparently, there'll be no news in heaven. Or the only news will be Jesus is still reigning righteously. There'll be nothing abrasive, nothing irritating, nothing agitating. No hurting others with your words or being hurt by words. No hurting others with your actions or being hurt by actions. No security systems, no prison systems, no corrupt political systems or oppressive government systems. For God the righteous reigns. There'll be no, no masks, no lockdowns, no unemployment. There'll be no hungry kids, no bullied kids, no, no neglected or abused kids. Let them come to him. There'll be no gender confusion or sexual revolutions, no confusion or no revolutions at all for that matter ever again. No mental illness, no bipolar, no schizophrenia, no anxiety, no gangster rap or screamo music, or Mariah Carey Christmas music. My wife doesn't agree with me on that one, but I'm, I'm sticking to it. It's going to be nothing harmful to the ears. <laughs> no boring moments. There's going to be no regrets, no rebellion, no wrecked families, no need for redos, no broken bones, no broken minds, no broken lives, no broken things. There is nothing broken in heaven. Why? For the former things have passed away. They have died forever. Amen. Because... There's a throne. The one on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. All that was broken in this sick world is new. It's not fixed. It's not duct taped. Not gorilla glued. It's altogether new. A newness that doesn't fade. A newness that's clear. A newness that's real. That's vibrant. And as John finishes up and as we finish up here, he says, Write this down. For I'm true, for these words are true and faithful. You guys, again, 
He's trying to get, I don't know what was happening. I don't know if John was just in such awe and such beauty that he forgot to start writing and God had to remind him, hey, you got to write this down. People need to hear this. Or if he's just trying to get it through our minds. Pastor Ross on Tuesday mornings when we do our meetings, if he wants us to get something in our head, he says, write it down. Get a piece of paper, write it down. So maybe God just wants us to get it through our minds that this is going to be a reality. As sure as we are here today, those who are in Christ are going to be there in heaven with him forever. But here's the thing, you guys. Um, I want to say this too before I closed. Get out of your minds forever that it's going to be this misty, foggy, only spiritual uh, angels with butterflies, or uh, butterfly wings, uh, angels with wings and halos uh, and harps and just like this weird thing. It's going to be it's going to be real. It's going to be vivid. We're going to have responsibilities. There's going to be work, but there'll be no toil in the work. There's going to be hobbies. There's going to be things for us to do. There's going to be worship music. As amazing as our worship music here is at the rock, it's going to be even better in heaven. It's going to be amazing, you guys. We're going to be doing real things, but the most important thing is we're going to be with the one that loves our souls. Here's the thing, you guys. In order to be in this new destination in order to be experienced that declaration that God that we'll be able to dwell with God in order to be comforted by God you yourself have to be made a new creation 2 Corinthians 5:17 says therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old is gone and behold the new is here and i want you guys just to picture something even based on this text um, the destruction of the world as we talked about in the beginning the universe being wrapped up like a scroll, the, the, the melting, like God is going to destroy this world. He's going to melt and destroy a, a earth and a universe that is full of sin and re- rebellion against him. And then he's going to make a new, brand new universe, the one that we just talked about, that we scratched the surface, the power of God in that. But that same power has to come and change your heart, your heart of stone, and turn it into a heart of flesh. He has to make you a new creation. He has to make your heart a new creation to where you'll have different desires. He'll change you to be a new person. It's not going to be just trying to do this or I'm trying to do that. Like, no, you, just through the gospel, turning to him, repenting of him, repenting and trusting in him. He says he'll put a spirit. He'll take the heart of stone. He'll give you a heart of flesh. He'll break down and melt that old heart, that old life and he'll give you a brand new heart that's going to be with him forever in paradise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much that you make all things new, God. We thank you for your mercies. I just pray, God, that we can be a people, God, who isn't so consumed with the here and now, God, that we wouldn't be duped into just living for the things of this world, God, but as this new year is birthed, God, may the new birth take hold of some of our hearts, and if that new birth has already happened, God, may we live for you, God. May we live for you. May we be more motivated as we look towards heaven, as we look towards eternity, as we look to that finish line, God, the author and perfecter of our faith is, that you would give us endurance, that you would give us joy, that we wouldn't get so caught up in things, God, that our resources and our lives and our dreams and our goals would be used to glorify you, God, just thinking rationally, this life is but a vapor, God, but eternity is forever. Get a hold of our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name, amen.
You've been listening to The Rock's podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.